everyone, Joe Gagne here, welcoming you to episode uh, 84, Joe vs. the World. We continue our celebration by revisiting a series I personally enjoy a lot. This one goes back to 2007, the History of WrestleMania series. It was four years ago we did the last one. It's about time to dust this concept off. Joining me yet again, the host of the Justin Shapiro Show, Mr. Justin Shapiro. Justin, how you doing? Good evening. And uh, also joining us here, the host himself of List em and Learn, Matt Feuerstein, Matt, how are you? I am doing excellent. Happy spring to everyone. Yes. Oh, I didn't answer the question. Uh, also excellent. Oh, okay. That's good. It also, as we're recording this, it snowed yesterday in early April, so <laughs> not a happy spring so far. Mm-mm. Dire. Do you guys remember, because I, if I check the records, I'm guest number two ever, and Matt is guest number three, and the Cubs fan is guest number one, Right. Correct. So remember that whole Pixar-style meeting when we laid out the whole concept for this expanded <laughs> network? It really, truly yes. all came together. I guess it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about that? pretty much in order. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is ostensibly a Joe vs. the World episode, but uh, Matt and I attended one of these shows live, so it could be a Justin Shapiro show, and we can rank them at the end so <laughs> it could be a list of learn. That's right. And... Uh, we will do all three of those things. I'm actually going to cross-post this as my own show, if that's cool with you, <laughs> You know, go for it. If, if, uh, if you can wait a month after I post it for mine, then that's fine. All right, fine. That's, that's, my, that's in the contract. These are, yes, these are evergreen. All right, we left off in Miami. Let's go to New York for WrestleMania 29. Matt and I were there. Justin was not. Uh, this is the only show they've had in the Northeast since they've moved to the stadium settings. Matt, have you gone back and uh, watched this on the network? Because this was the final show before the network era began. Yeah, the only... Like, I've watched the intro a couple times, and I watched the CM Punk match. And really, why would you watch anything else from this again? <laughs> well, that sums up that. On to uh, the next one. Uh, no, the main event was John Cena beating The Rock. And to give them credit, they carried out a three-year program between the two. Uh, the match was basically them spamming finishers, like a Street Fighter Two fight where each player knows one move, so they just keep trying them over and over. So, uh, you know, they, they paid it off. But, uh, Justin, were you enamored with this, uh, this kind of sort of trilogy coming to an end? Uh, um, history, at the time, I think there was more of a debate, like, oh, it's going to be the biggest show ever, and they, these, these two guys, they can... Uh, he should lose back to him. Um, as more time goes on, it's... And as more WrestleManias have happened, it becomes more and more like, uh, I guess you probably really should have run Rock versus Brock here, you fools. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I don't think John Cena is hurt if he, you know, doesn't happen to beat The Rock. He loses to a bunch of guys, so... Matt, what do you think? Should they have? Uh, would you've gone another way? Well, I don't. I remember, you know, when every year there was that talk of Lesnar versus The Rock. I remember thinking that's like that's not really what I feel like seeing either of those guys do. Um, 
Like, it was preferable to what actually happened, the Triple H versus Lesnar and Rock versus Cena Part 2. <laughs> but I still felt like I would have done something different. I probably would have either had a triple threat with Rock, Punk, and Cena, or saved the Rock versus Punk match for WrestleMania, because that felt fresher. And Rock vs. Cena just, I remember feeling it at the time, it's just like, who cares about it at this point? It like, felt like there were, there were bigger fish to fry. There were, there were new things going on. And I remember thinking about WrestleMania 29. It was sort of like the bottoming out of a period where WrestleMania was kind of taken away from their current stars, and it was all about nostalgia and stuff. And then, as we'll get to, it kind of went away from that for a <laughs> while, and then it kind of went back to that again. So, um, but I feel like, you know, I mean, I guess we don't have to, I mean, I don't know if you were saving this, but this is widely considered to be a lower-level WrestleMania, not a good one. And I think part of it is, like, there was no, no storyline, no character that was current for the audience to get invested in. It was just back to, like, a dream match that they already did once. And Triple H versus Lesnar was a... Well, we'll get to that. Um, so, I, I, don't, I don't know. I would have done something different, I guess, is the, short, the, short, the shorter way to respond to that. But it wouldn't have been Lesnar versus Rock. Hey, John Cena got divorced because he lost to The Rock, so right. you got to give the poor man something. Why the tagline for the show is "Months in a Lifetime." <laughs> I, uh, so, uh, oh, I'm sorry, but I, no, go ahead. I, I think Matt also. You could live with Cena versus Rock if it wasn't Hunter versus Brock, and you had maybe used the rest of the show a little better if it was part of it instead of. I, mean, I remember like Cena just won the Royal Rumble and Rock won the belt at uh, the Royal Rumble, and they said, oh, there's that match, we did it, congratulations to us and yourselves, and just kind of settled in. And um, the Undertaker-Punk build didn't help, even, like, maybe, if you could just be more diplomatic about it. The one reason I'd allow uh, the long arm of history to retain Cena beating Rock is only to build John Cena up as a strong champion to ultimately inexplicably lose it to Daniel Bryan clean at SummerSlam. But uh, certainly at the time, also, people talked about Undertaker and Punk uh, streak versus the championship brain streak, and there's a lot of different things you could do. Even at this yeah. point, looking at who became, like, the popular stars from this period, Dolph Ziggler versus Daniel Bryan should have been the world title match. Like, they were the best guys to fill that, like, baby role for an unimportant title match versus... For God's sake, the babyface Alberto Del Rio versus a Tea Party Jack Swagger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you you look back at um, you look back at that period, and it's like, well, all the bad things that happened made the WrestleMania 30 build more satisfying. But you really can't work like that if you're putting yourself in 2013. You know, mm-hmm. you have to figure out what would have been good for that time period. And yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, that whole card. Just, I mean, it just was uninspired, and they just had, they didn't have the right ideas. I mean, the Shield, um, I guess, you know, you could argue the Shield were put in a prominent spot against big stars, but the way that match was presented was kind of half-assed. And, you know, I mean, as, as I said earlier, really, the only thing that was noteworthy or memorable about the show at all in a positive way was Punk versus Undertaker. So you're hesitant to get rid of that, but you're right. If that had ended up being a title match, and then they just did Cena versus Rock as sort of like an undercard thing and had something else cool going on, I think that it would have been a little more palatable. You're right. Yeah, the Shield. Um, 
it's funny because they had a match against Randy Orton, Sheamus, and Big Show that was really one of their lesser matches around the time on WrestleMania that really could use like one of those hot shield matches. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that they actually sort of changed this this year for WrestleMania 32, but had been true for a while at WrestleMania, is that they had really gotten away from, like, different types of matches at WrestleMania, gimmick matches and fights and different things. They really didn't have any of that stuff. So, like, The Shield versus Orton and Big Show and Sheamus probably could have benefited from being, like, a street fight or, you know, it's just some, some sort of gimmick, but instead it was just, like, a very basic six short six-man tag team match. So it was totally unmemorable. Um and that you know that's true for a lot of this you know that t- the tag team match versus like Kane and Brian against um, Biggie and Ziggler you know that was kind of like it kind of got the um, the old uh, like really short rush WrestleMania undercard match treatment when if you know if they had put some emphasis on it and like you know given it some sort of skip or gimmick or just given it more time could have been memorable because it was a really good little short match um, just stuff like that they just they they were very. Their booking of WrestleMania a lot, a lot of the time in the past decade has just been very basic and not very creative. And you'd think that WrestleMania would be the time that they get creative, but I guess it is sort of like an old, an old meme that you know backlash or extreme rules or whatever is like WrestleMania only done better a lot of the time. And I, I don't know why. I'm still very confused as to why that is. Like why they don't just put more effort into making the WrestleMania matches memorable and dynamic. Well, they broke their attendance and gate record this year by not doing much. Mm-hmm. So. Although they did have lots of different gimmick matches. That, that is true. That's what it was missing. That is very true. Uh, we mentioned it. Uh, Triple H beat Brock Lesnar, because of course, although Brock did defeat him at SummerSlam and the next month. But, th- I mean, this is the last time Brock was pinned, right? And the only other time he lost was to Undertaker at SummerSlam. Is my, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, which he tapped out, which you could argue is worse than Yeah, pins, which... But- yeah, but, I, but that was... I mean, he passed. 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 Oh, he didn't even tap out. Sure. It's funny. I mean, Brock was 1-2 in two at the time because he lost to Cena, beat Triple H, and then this was match three where he lost again. It's funny how loose they were playing with him at the time where he's, like, just beyond protected now. And people had no problem believing he was going to lose to Undertaker at 30. How much more would, would WrestleMania 30 have meant if he had been undefeated going into it? Uh, a lot. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after the fact, it meant a lot. But during the match, you, you could see it was just considered a foregone conclusion. I'm getting ahead of a, ahead of myself, so I'm sorry. That's um, quite all right. That was, in fact, a no-holds-barred match. And if Triple H had, had lost, he would be forced to retire. So God knows what they would have done this year. One of those great stipulations when where Triple H put something on the line so then he can't lose, like when he had the match with Punk where if he lost, he couldn't be the COO anymore. And then it was like, oh, well, I guess he has to win. <laughs> <laughs> we jettison all of our plans. What a shame. If only we didn't arbitrarily throw that in like a week before. This is really, because we we ellipsed past Triple H's two years with The Undertaker. Now we set up just a delightful four-year streak with the greatest exception that proves the, proves the rule of Triple H sucking and ruining things. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It really, it, this really does set up a motif, doesn't it, about Triple H, especially at WrestleMania. Hmm? Yeah, if you like long Triple H quote-unquote epic matches with no heat and him winning, I've got great news. Or even him losing. Long, <laughs> yeah. epic, long epic Triple H matches with no heat at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. He, he's, now you have like a whole DVD's worth of them to, uh, mm-hmm. 
to watch. That's true. Uh, Triple H's shortest match we'll discuss on the show was against Sting, which went 18 minutes, 36 seconds. The shortest by a fairly considerable margin, because the rest they'll go... Uh, the next one is... Uh, this one went almost 24 minutes, and then, of course, we know about this year, so... Yeah, I, what is it? What is it about Triple H? Like, I, I'm trying to pinpoint it because it's not like the guy can't have good matches. I've seen it. It's, he's even had a couple in the in recent years. Not too many, but a couple. What is it about him in WrestleMania that m- makes him have these heatless snore snooze fest matches that suck? I think he wants to have these big, long, epic matches, and even when it's not suited for the situation, much like this year where. A 27-minute match at that point in the show, not to get too far ahead, was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and also I think and he just has bad instincts. Like, you know, just this idea, like, yeah, we're just going to go and we're going to, you know, we're going to sell and we're going to take lots of time in between our moves and it's going to be slow and methodical and, you know, we're really going to build up the drama. And it never works. You know, <laughs> he's, a good, he's a good wrestler in a lot of ways, but his instincts are so bad when it comes to, like, timing of, like, a big main event match. I assume he just does it and then goes back and he and everybody discusses what a classic it was. And, uh, you know, we did crush it out there, but it's too bad we had to go after Rock and Hogan and Sean and Undertaker. And that aside, I have no notes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, more on that to come. Uh, yes, we had <laughs> touched on uh, BBC's Alberto Del Rio against Tea Party Jack Swagger with his... And we described it as a Final Fantasy boss music yeah. that debuted around this time. As opposed, I'd forgotten he had a Rage Against the Machine knockoff. That was um, when I went back to rewatch uh, Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler. I'd forgotten about that. Oh, that's right, because I just heard you guys talking about how all five, six principals in that match have entrances. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just listened, I mean, last month. But... Oh, yes, yes. Just, in, in, I, yeah, in contrast with, uh, with this, yeah. Yes, indeed. So, I mean, that's the result you look back at. You're like, wow, really? But, uh, I don't know. They gave Jack Swagger a go, and uh, it didn't work. And he's back where he started almost. So, also heard you guys talking about Vanity McMahon matches that go on forever and have backyard-level work. So I'm glad we don't have to talk about any of those either. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Does anyone have anything to say about uh, Jack Swagger no? Rio. I, I, I remember. I remember basically nothing about the match itself. It's it went didn't even go ten minutes, and yeah, yeah it was just, it's just one of those weird oddities you look back at. You're like, oh, they tried that. Yeah, I, apo- didn't work. I apologize for not rewatching Jack Swagger versus Alberto Del Rio for you, Joe. Oh man! Remember for your cherry picking things to save the show because it's almost like I mean WrestleMania 16 is a bad analogy because their television was excellent in and out of that, but I. To a point that it was like uh, there was a, there mean, was some in between No Way Out and WrestleMania 16 there were some suspect things that were going on but you're right in general if you take the whole arc of that six month period you're right yeah I meant more like the bookend months before and after and so certainly the storylines at this point no but a lot of the people on this card were doing so many better things you mentioned the shoot of course and Brian and Ziggler um, so. Just have Dolph Ziggler cash in his money in the bank on this show, and everyone would be happy and have, like, one good thing to take out of it. And since he's, I think, pinpointed one of the big uh, flaws here was there was nothing to get excited about. Yeah, sorry, like, nothing happened. There was, mm-hmm. there, like, I, I remember at the time I was complaining about this. Like, WrestleMania, when we were growing up, it had, like, angles. 
And now they save all the angles for Raw, and so nothing ever happened at WrestleMania. And there was, like, a long streak of that, like, where the beginning of Raw after WrestleMania, nothing major had changed other than maybe, like, a title change stands. But there was no storyline change. So it's like WrestleMania just became that much more dull and you just hoped for, like, the off Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker classic match. And otherwise, WrestleMania was mostly useless for a long time. It was funny, the, on the Raw the next night, you know, the Intercontinental title changed hands and a World title changed hands, which is the same thing that happened at WrestleMania. Ah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... It's, um... I mean, interesting. I mean, on the, it's interesting there was no kind of pre-show battle royal. The only match was the Miz and Wade Barrett for the Intercontinental title. So it's kind of that last year of trying to get everyone on because, I mean, the amount of people on here, not that, you know, not that deep when you take that battle royal off. There are some long-standing mid-carters, not the least of which were Kofi and Cesaro, who, if I remember right, people assumed they would have a match just because, like, they were the last two pieces of the puzzle, and it was just kind of like, sorry, boys, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, they were on, uh, I, I remember getting there, and I saw them, um, I believe both of them were on the pre-show. It's like, oh, I guess I guess not. But or no, I think they weren't even on the pre-show, right? Like, we expected them in the Miz match to be dark matches or whatever the equivalent was in, in 2013, and then they just weren't. They were like, go to Access, you dickheads. No, I, I they were like, like on the booth, like. Oh, right, 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 yeah, yeah. On that pre-show. Gotcha. The panel. Yeah, they were on the panel. It's like, you know, well. Huh. Well, okay. Also, this is a nice parallel pattern of uh, the imminent number one contenders in the world title inexplicably losing clean on WrestleMania before being named number one contender. There you go. Um, one result we have to address is, uh, and I had looked back at this before he was brought back on Raw a while back with Fandango mm. beating Chris Jericho. <laughs> this happened. This is something people will scratch their heads about in the future. I mean... I, still, I mean, I honestly think if they had given him the IC belt the next night and Jack Swagger and punched him in the head, mm-hmm. I think things would have gone a lot better for him. I really I like him. You. Oh, go ahead. No, sorry, I gotta say, no, go ahead, Justin. I don't really have much to say. I really like him personally, but it's just one of those things that it, it does not make sense at all. Uh, it's it's wild, man. But I also think, like, it doesn't, like, Chris Jericho losing doesn't, at this point in his life, or in that point of his life and career, like, didn't really hurt him in any way. So I think you might as well put Fandango over if you're hoping that you're going to do something with him. So I don't really think the result is that much of a head-scratcher. I think maybe, like, the, the ridiculousness is where, um, you know, they put so much behind him and gave him this big debut and then gave up on him after one injury. I mean, I think that it makes it a little bit more absurd. But, like, Jericho losing, hint, hint, WWE, does not really make a difference in his life. No, I would say that. I'm sure he does. Fine. This may be the one time it actually bothered him, though. The rest of the time, he's like, it's called working man, and it doesn't matter if I win or lose. You know, I just go out there and talk for two minutes, and then I'm the biggest star in the show. Whereas this one, he's just like, what oh, that's so, so that's the thing? Like, he still talks about how he was upset that he had to lose a Fandango? He's very passive. Well, Joe, you've internalized every minute of his podcast, but it seems to me like he's very passive-aggressive about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, but then, you know, look what happened. He's the biggest star on the show because he got to beat me uh, the night before. Yes, it was. Um, he does he comment that his paycheck was as large as it was the year before working a world title <laughs> match. So I guess that's what counts in the end. This was also uh, a card they, a lot of, they threw out, 
right before because Jericho is supposed to work a heel Ryback and um, I forget what else changes, but um, shuffled some things around for no improvement really. Yeah, Ryback worked Mark Henry and lost, which was that was just so strange at the time. Yeah, that was that was ridiculous. Like I mean, the previous fall you had the the Punk Ryback Hell in a Cell where they somewhat booked into a corner. You either had Ryback, you know, stop his winning streak or Punk lose the title. And, you know, they beat Ryback shenanigans, and you think, well, you know, they'll have to work on it. And then he just went on this major losing streak. I have no idea why he lost this match. And, he, yeah, like Justin said, he, you know, <laughs> competed for the world title the next month. So, I, I don't this, know. This Ryback match, it's like, so you take, like, how weird the result of that match was, and you just do that. Uh, like eight more times, and then you get WrestleMania 32. <laughs> uh, hey, where's uh, where's uh, Tensai, Brodus Clay, and the Funkadactyls against uh, the Road Scholars and Bellas rank on the canceled WrestleMania match list? Oh. Well, I would rather see that than the British Bulldog against the Berserker. I would say. <laughs> hmm, that's tough. You got Bigelow Kamala, right? Yeah. Yep. That was just in the uh, Ten Man from WrestleMania 10. Mm. But not Tori Wilson versus. Candice Michelle, it was more important to cut <laughs> Triple H or uh, a Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio, Kurt Angle match down to like nine minutes. So they still mad, there. still <laughs> mad ten years later. Yep, salty. Yeah, salty. And uh, as we noted, the uh, the best match of the night clearly was Punk and the Undertaker, Punk's final Mania match in uh, Undertaker's last successful defense of the streak. And in the pa- and in the pantheon of great WrestleMania matches, like all time great WrestleMania matches, I would say. Hmm. I don't know if I ever went back and watched it. You may be right. Yeah, I mean, not like top five or anything, but it's in the conversation. Uh, this was like Punk at his peak as like a main event performer. He was just, I mean, he was just Randy Savage on that night. Like he was just doing everything and just being amazing. And his, yeah. his entrance and Undertaker's entrance might have, like that, that was like the moment where, like I think those entrances were what helped that match have the only be the only match that night that had heat. It's like they were like Living Color played Punk out to the ring, and I just had goosebumps. And also it was cold, so that might also be part of why. But and then the Undertaker came, and it was just like I, I just remember like the entrances just got me so fired up. Like okay, now I'm at WrestleMania, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you had put Punk in the main event, you know, made a triple threat, do you think he stays? Because he would have gotten that main event he wanted so bad. I mean, if all that health stuff is true, then I then I can't imagine mm-hmm. he wouldn't be equally fed up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that, I mean, that's pretty awful. This, yeah. Well, yeah, man. It's funny you said Punk at the peak of his powers because he was going to, I think the next night he goes home until June, and he had blown out his knee at the Survivor Series. So this match was more fueled by, I think, spite and rage, where he was just like, I'm going to run around. Undertaker, in one of his one-armed years where he couldn't do much and would just kind of, like, explode on impact every time he tried to do a match, and he was like, <laughs> fuck you, here we go. I'm just running around, take a bunch of bumps, jump on that table. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, when, you, when you're that talented, you can do that. And sometimes, you know, Spite has fueled a lot of the great performances in history. I don't just mean in wrestling, so <laughs> that's fine. Um. Joe, what did you? Right. What, you were there. What did you think of the atmosphere, the vibe? Because it's like, of all the years, you know, they had these big stadium WrestleManias. I could never, I can never really travel to go to them, and so this is like my fi- finally my opportunity to go to this big stadium, big event. You know, went to Dragon Gate that weekend, and I just feel like the atmosphere was a little bit lacking. It didn't feel 
like I said, except for that Punk match, it did not really feel like WrestleMania to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you. This is basically my one opportunity to go to WrestleMania, unless they run in Philly, which fingers crossed. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, it was a little different for me. I was part of a crowd, part of the F4W crowd, where you know you're kind of just you know surrounded by like-minded fans. I don't know what your situation was like. I believe you were with uh, Tom Feely, so Tom. pretty cool in its own right. But yeah. uh, but still, but yeah, it wasn't like you know it was cool to be see wrestling in front of that many people and you know to think of it as a stage. But yeah, I was never like, oh my god, this is like a religious experience. I'm like, oh, this is okay, and it's a little cold, but not so bad. Yeah. Also, this was the peak of WWE on pay-per-view, having a bunch of commercials on the show where they just promote how great they are. And, it I mean, at the Royal Rumble, it was like it really bothered me, and it got really obnoxious at WrestleMania, too. And, I mean, thankfully, they didn't do that the next year, and I, that was one of the reasons why I liked WrestleMania 30 so much better. <laughs> uh, not the, kind of my last... Not the main reason. My, Sorry. No. Uh my last note on this, a little off topic, but this was really the show where the idea of WrestleMania weekend took off. And before this, you had, you know, Ring of Honor would run shows, Dragon Gate USA did. But this, this year you had WrestleCon, and I personally attended seven non-WrestleMania shows that weekend. And it's just like, you know, you go, there's just, like, all these groups are running. People are having, like, you know, like Jim Ross is having his, uh, you know, his, his stand-up deal and just so much. I think that's where it really took off, and that, to me, adds a lot to the weekend if you're going, like, you know, you know, just, man, people, people don't even go to WrestleMania sometimes, they just like to get together and go to all these shows, and then, you know, watch the big show at home on, uh, on the network on the TV, which, you know, isn't the worst idea, really. Yeah, I mean, this year, probably, I mean, other than being part of the giant spectacle of WrestleMania, probably going to all, like, all, like, the Evolve and, like, WWN and ROH and NXT, it's like, you probably get way more bang for your buck than if you go to WrestleMania. The only thing I'd like to say, maybe in summation, is I'm like I feel like if I utter this, Meltzer is going to appear in a puff of smoke to shame me for being so dumb, like as if I was happy for winning a belt or something. What a <laughs> fucking idiot! What a fucking dickhead! You think he? I give a shit about that? No. But uh, um, I mean Zack Ryder, not Dave, of course. Zack, you fucking bitch ass Mark. What's your problem? Um. So oh, I hope that joke is still pertinent in a month, and people are just like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. Oh, well, I'm, guessing, I'm guessing it won't be pertinent, Justin. Well, that was particularly fascinating. But so, you know, Dave was very quick to lecture anyone who said that Cena and Rock should not be a one-on-one match. But I just really think and this is where we, I think, began talking about, and I'm happy to end talking about it. But if Punk was interjected into that mix, the promos he would have done. I have the confidence would have, like, single-handedly made this an exciting and interesting build-in show. He would have just been too fired up. And he would have had tons of material on both those guys. I, I didn't even think of that, but you're right. It would have, like, changed the whole dynamic. Mm-hmm. All right. If there's nothing else, we'll move on to WrestleMania 30. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Happy <Yes>. times. <laughs> So, I was, I was going to say, I remember coming out of the show, so much excitement about the results, Cesaro getting the, a big win, and Daniel Bryan wrestling for nearly 50 minutes, being the you know man at the end, holding the belts in the air, confetti. Well, we've seen what has transpired in the, follow, in the uh, following years. Matt, I know you've seen the Daniel Bryan match two in your day. What do you think now about it? Are you, are you still excited about this show, thinking about it? Have your spirits dampened at all? 
Mm, I'm so excited thinking about it. It's this was like I, I've said this before. Or this could be like the series finale of wrestling, and like it would have been a good ending for wrestling, you know. And, it, and in some ways, it kind of was, you know. Mm-hmm. You n- it never really reads that excitement again. I mean, it's only been a couple of years, and things could change and get. Back. I mean, and there's a lot of good stuff going on. Like WWE right now is sort of like a tale of two companies because they're doing all these amazing, exciting things with cool guys and stuff, but then also have terrible writing and booking and promotion and you know. Anyway, um, WrestleMania. 30. Yeah, I mean, it was just everything that I like about WWE. The, you know, guy, you know, like the Daniel Bryan story has been well documented. He um you know, like the, the fans willed the uh, WrestleMania that year into being good and willed them into booking something that should have been booked all along and I guess they made this pact with themselves. It was like, we'll never do this again. We are going to <laughs> we're going to stick to our guns and have terrible outcomes. If it's the last thing we do. Although I guess they sort of did it again the next year, now that I think about it. But, you know, they simplified. You know, they, they, they just had, they featured their main stars in, in big matches. They didn't, they didn't have all this nostalgia stuff. Really, there was only one match based on history, and that was Undertaker versus Lesnar. And, you know, that match, despite not being very good, is historical enough in its result that, I think it's worth happening, and, and they, they didn't overload the show with matches that they were going to cut really short. You know, the only, you know, it, I think probably the only shame is that the Shield didn't really get to have a match. They just had a little squash, and it was, I mean, it worked for them. But, you know, those three guys were having some of the best matches in the previous year. They should have been able to have one at WrestleMania, but alas. But, yeah, I mean, the show was carried by two excellent Daniel Bryan matches. I think John Cena versus Bray Wyatt turned out to be very good. And it was cool that they were, like, putting Cena more in the mid-card for the first time in years. And I think he was effective there because they had other stuff to do, you know, in their mid But, um, excuse me, um, but the atmosphere was great. Um, you know, they, they had Hogan, Rock, and Austin appear, and they used them you know, to at their to, to to the utmost. You know, they didn't they weren't um taking anything away from any of the current stars. They also weren't embarrassed. They just used them exactly as they should have been used. So it was a really exciting time. You know, Cesaro wasn't even supposed to be in the Battle Royal originally. He wasn't advertised. So it was like a really cool moment when he just showed up and won. And also they they kicked off the show with this like really great four way tag match on the pre show that made it seem like Oh, the tag team division is, is like hot again. So like there was a lot of just really good vibes around that show and it Oh, the other thing is, remember I was talking about how they hadn't done angles in years? Well, Undertaker streak. You know, that's huge. And it's like was one of the biggest WrestleMania moments ever and they were not accustomed to doing that kind of stuff at WrestleMania anymore, you know. Um, when I was growing up, you know, Andre the Giant turned on Bobby Heenan, Elizabeth came back and reunited with Randy Savage, Hogan you know, suddenly had a title match and won. Just, like, big stuff happened at WrestleMania. And this had really been the first time in years where that sort of thing was true, where, like, this big angle took place at WrestleMania. So I think WrestleMania 30 is easily one of the best WrestleManias ever. And, uh, yeah, sorry for the rant. <laughs> it's a rant of joy, though. Yeah. I Matt, I remember when it happened. Of course, we were very happy, stunned, elated. But one of the things you and I debated about was I said um, I personally felt like no matter what happens after this, fuck you, bitch. We ruined your show and made it great <laughs> and uh, a big game of chicken leading up to this one show. And uh, a whole lot of things had to converge to get Brian this special thing. 
even more we know now that like his the injury he had with his arm and neck in the summer it was really like he could have fixed it and then this never would have happened and he his body held out as long as it could just to get to WrestleMania ruin it make it awesome save all of our lives um whereas you Matt were kind of more invested in like this was great but you know, they have to build on this. They can't just regress back to what they did, which they did instantly. So I feel like we're both right because it, it makes it all the more sadder that they did, but also makes this individual show that much more of a triumph. Yeah, and in the case of Brian himself, you know, it was you know, they wouldn't have done the right thing with him, but it was also they didn't have a chance to screw him up, you know? Because mm-hmm. he was just gone. So that makes it a little bit more like I can't get too angry at them. You know, they 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 gave him the moment, and then before they could really fuck him over, he was gone. Um, so, but so the, so like I can appreciate the moment still. You know, and that moment led to basically that great retirement speech too. Like when he unfortunately did have to retire, he you know he was suddenly treated the way he always should have been treated. And if he had never been the guy holding up the belts at WrestleMania. Um, he never probably would have gotten that level of esteem from the company. So, you know, it still did have positive ramifications. It also has positive ramifications for what's going on now, the, the good things, you know, the the Owens push, this, you know, Sami Zayn getting, uh, you know, the crowd reactions that he gets. You know, Samoa Joe being, uh, being you know, put brought in and pushed in NXT. Basically, the entire NXT concept probably indirectly can be credited in part to Daniel Bryan um, and his success, along with some other people. So there were positive ramifications, too. It wasn't just that one night, you know? I'm, I don't know. I just remember the horror movie with Kane stalking him and Brie to their car, and I'm like, <laughs> it's like, oh, this is going off the cliff very fast. I've erased that from my memory. Probably for the best. And don't forget the card we were supposed to get here. It was going to be oh, Orton, Orton Batista... Punk, uh, Triple H, uh, the, the Brian Sheamus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, thank God we ruined this. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, it, we thank, I mean, it really did. Like, the, the, everything that I didn't like about the previous WrestleMania, they pretty much corrected. They gave, it, was, a, it was the first time in years that there was a satisfying, actual storyline, cathartic conclusion. You know, where people were, like, genuinely excited that a person of babyface triumphed, you know, and people just were into, were invested in the outcome. And, like, I mean, that just doesn't happen anymore. And especially at WrestleMania, it just doesn't happen. And um, so, you know, it was, it's, a really, it's really special on a lot of levels. Now... Probably the most noteworthy thing here is the end of the Undertaker streak. Brock beat him. Some fan got weirdly famous. Uh, I don't know if I've ever kind of told this, but I was watching the show on the network um, because this was the the first one available. And during this match, my son, uh, who was asleep, he he needed something, so I paused it. I went to see him. (laughs) I restarted the match where where I left off. So I'm five minutes behind the rest of the world. And the finish happens, and I feel so weirdly alone in the universe because I feel like everyone else has gone through this shock, but it's hitting me, like just like only me at this moment. And I don't know. I, I mean, how, how, anyone feel this was a bad decision? Still going back? <sighs> I think, I think a John Cena versus Undertaker match with no, with with the streak still being alive 
would be more interesting than the alternative, and I still hope, you know, I mean, Undertaker gets a saying that he's done as of early April, but, you know, I still have hope that that match ends up happening, because I was hoping it would happen this year, and I guess they were too. Um, I mean, the band was, quote, heartbroken. Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, um, I think it's kind of a wash. Like, I think it's cool that they were able to build Lesnar on those promos, I feel like Lesnar, it's not like Lesnar was his ultimate super draw based on ending the streak. It helped his character out. But I, in some ways it might have also, you know, kind of hurt his character long term in the sense that now he's expected to have these matches that where he just basically dominates the entire match. And that's led to a few really good matches, but also a few matches that I think could have been better if, it had, if they hadn't been booked like that, like WrestleMania 32, for instance. Um... So I don't know. I don't know what the ramifications were. Uh, I, I'm going to say it's like 50-50. I think... Um, oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, did they get anything directly out of it? I don't think you can point like a one-to-one thing, especially not transferring like the huge drawing power of the heat of beating The Undertaker to then making Roman Reigns. It was a spectacular failure. Or even making Lesnar... like in attraction for big individual shows. I think there's a lot more excitement around him, and he's way more of a star. Whoosh, exactly. That was the clouds parting to, for Brock to start him to show up. Um, but as a moment in and of itself, that's maybe like top three, five most unforgettable things. I know the fans chanted like bullshit at the time, and there was some real pushback about this being so sacrilegious, but in hindsight, I think in I would say Lesnar becoming a babyface out of it would reinforce that this was a spectacular moment. Yeah, it did. And yeah, I mean, forgetting about what happened long term, it certainly helped make the show, mm-hmm. you know, one of the most memorable. Um, so in that in that sense, it's a positive thing. It also helped the WWE kind of break out of their rut of like falling back on the streak as a way to promote WrestleMania after all these years. You know, it's like well, everything else sucks, but we got the streak. And in WrestleMania 31, they really couldn't do that, so they didn't. And it led to, you know, maybe some other things getting more spotlight. So in that sense, it's probably positive, too. I think, I kind of wonder if the match against Cena at SummerSlam didn't do more for Brock in a way. Because winning the title, dominating Cena, then really being gone, kind of like, you know, led to this aura of invincibility. And, and I know being the Undertaker certainly helped, but the match was kind of kind of crappy, because Undertaker was hurt. They would not have much better ones. Uh, yeah, that's what Matt said. They they worked that match as like a slow-paced underwater, because Undertaker was dinged, just version of a finisher exchange, WWE main event match, but it was Cena was when Cena had the honor of playing little baby Daniel Bryan and getting splattered <laughs> in the ring. And at that point it was like, oh man, look out. And yeah, from that and- point on is when he, he started working as like the actual juggernaut from comic books instead of uh, a big strong guy who would do the test of strength with Triple H and it was like, I wonder who will be strongest. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I wonder if that match being kind of lousy sort of added to the moment because it just like, you know, good match, you know, it builds and builds and builds and everyone is just super pumped for the finish. And in this case, it was just a total shock because no one was really paying attention to the match anyway. And then all of a sudden, one, two, three, and everyone's just like, what the, what, did, this, did any of this just happen? Because, you know, you barely even noticed the match because it was so nondescript. And then, like, I mean, the like, biggest finish of all time happened, so. Yeah. I mean, I remember he hit that third F5. I'm like, oh, that's overkill when Undertaker kicks <laughs> out. And he didn't. And 
I mean, they put two decades, I mean, this was two decades worth of work into this storyline, which is, I mean, just flabbergasted. I mean, I can't think of anything really comparable. Yeah, they get, like we were talking about on Listen and Learn um, a month and a half ago, um, the, uh, the, it's like the good thing that they decided to have Undertaker win against Giant Gonzalez by disqualification. Yep. That was our joke when we covered WrestleMania 7 on Joe vs. the World five years ago, whenever it was. What if the Jimmy Snuka match had just ended with Undertaker being disqualified for too many chokings? <laughs> like, this guy's out of control! <laughs> he wants to choke him so hard. <laughs> it, yeah, it's staggering the way they just kind of fell into it, like like they do for a lot of things, it feels. Well, that's pro- I mean, honestly, I mean, it's probably how these things happen, you know? You can't you can't plan twenty years in advance. It's just not going to work. No. One, no, make uh, God laugh. Make a sit write write down a plan. He'll laugh at you. Right. Anything for laugh? That, yes. Uh, man makes plans and God laughs. Best so, plans uh, of mice and man. Mm-hmm. John Cena beat Bray Wyatt, uh, making his run as the Anti Undertaker at WrestleMania. Um, I don't know. Do you think uh, Do you think this mattered at all? I mean, like you said, uh, it, moved, it moved John Cena down to a lower spot on the card, which was refreshing. But he was still winning. Yes, but he was still winning and beating dudes, which was again the uh, what's essentially a John Cena vanity division, where people compete to be John Cena, eventually represented by a United States Championship. Um, yeah, that's where. Now, in okay, in one sense. Not to go all Meltzer shaming. That's why we have heels. You build them up to fight an important guy, and then that guy wins. And it's like, good job, heel. Thanks. But the aftermath for Bray Wyatt and Rusev is fairly hilarious. So <laughs> whatever criticism you want to make about this, I would say, go ahead. Yeah, but it's, it's you know it's it's still tough for me to blame it on the result of the, these one matches or you know these individual matches, I should say, because you know Bray Wyatt was hurt by. You know, giving the same weird, boring promo for months and having, you know, children's choirs and, like, being a hologram and all this stuff. And, you know, Rusev was hurt by having, you know, dumb angles and, you know, not being portrayed as strong anymore. So, I, I think Wyatt could have withstood the loss more than more than Cena, and I guess the, maybe the idea with Cena was, you know, they're about to get him ready for the Undertaker streak. I have no idea why it ended up being that way, but I, I really, it's hard for me to point it like that. Bray Wyatt losing to John Cena. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, it's, it's hard for me to say, like, Wyatt losing to Cena in this one match was what hurt his momentum. I think there were a lot of things that hurt his momentum. I don't know if the world would have changed had Bray Wyatt won this match. Would have been in his hands. Isn't that the threat? If Bray Wyatt won this match, he would take over the world? His evil would spread <laughs> from child to child and infect him? Like a well, I guess he had, John Cena had to win then. Bray Wyatt's, ent- like, Bray Wyatt's like entrance. Place, yeah. Bray Wyatt's entrance was awesome, though. I'm not, like, a super Bray Wyatt fan, but I just think it's... I think he's interesting and has... You know, he had potential, but when you keep losing on the big stage... You're not going to get anywhere. And I just, you know, I just don't get this. Oh, I got the rub from working with Cena. Like, really? It's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't buy that one either. Cena also did not have to win. Like, you know, it didn't, I don't know if, I don't know if I agree that he 
killed Wyatt as much as you guys do to have, to have him lose, but there's no reason for this. Cena wouldn't have, his life wouldn't have changed at all, just like Jericho's <laughs> if he had won, you know? Like, it wouldn't have made any difference. So well, might there, as well just have Wyatt win. There was euphoria, to say the least, about the finishes coming out of this show, with uh, Brian, obviously, Cesaro is such an exciting and promising surprise. And I don't know if it would be possible to have more euphoria, but I think if Bray Wyatt had gone over Cena, it would be like, oh my god, this really is a bold new world we're living in. Yeah. The other funny thing is, for all we've talked about, and I think it's true, the one person it doesn't seem to have registered with is Vince McMahon, who, from what I can tell, has treated Bray as like his second most successful elevated top star besides Reigns in this period, where he just keeps being put in these huge matches. Like, everyone want to see Bray versus Undertaker, Bray versus Brock. That's huge. He's like our biggest guy who never well, wins and always does the same <laughs> promo. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they scale him. They scale, you know, they pulled back on his push a lot at various points and then really picked it up again, um, which I guess is part of the formula, you know, cooling a guy off, heating him up again. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean... There is something to it. He's a he's a noteworthy character. Like people who have seen Bray Wyatt remember Bray Wyatt. You know, he's he's one of like the characters that people will remember from this era. Mm-hmm. So I think in that sense it's a it's a uh, success. But there's a lot that they could have done differently with him. Um, you know, I, I feel like right now what they're doing is okay. It just might be a little bit too late. I don't know, I just see him all the time, like, aha, big challenge against the Undertaker. Oops, lost. Well, on to Roman Reigns. Oops, lost to Hell in a Cell. Like, back to Undertaker. Oops, I lost again. He just, you know, he just finds a new target, and then it's like, oh, humiliated by the rock. On to the League of Nations. It's, it's, I don't know. He's also has not been informed that he's been losing, because then he always comes out again, and he's just like, I'm on the verge of conquering the universe. <laughs> Bet you're all real scared that I'm going to be in control of all your lives when I win these matches, man. <laughs> that is a solid Bray Wyatt. It is, actually. Mm-hmm. Do, you do, do you do that in the mirror, Justin? It does it back to me from the mirror. Mm, spooky. <laughs> so, uh, oh, was this... Um, oh, no, I forgot uh, the short-lived uh, evolution reunion. I didn't know if this was Batista's last run, but uh, I give him credit. You know, he, uh, he was put in a bad spot here. Mm-hmm. I guess no one wanted to... <laughs> To uh, see him where he was, they wanted someone else and, and let him know. Did he have that DVD where he was all sad? You yep. know, I just remember that commercial. There's like a acoustic song. <laughs> oh, his he acoustic walk along. Yeah, that's right. He did walk along. Wasn't um, didn't his pants rip during one of the uh, angles <laughs> leading up to the show? <laughs> I believe so. Yes. That poor son of a bitch. And his, <laughs> his, go ahead. No, see, I feel like I remember his pants ripping, and like he was in a he was in a promo with Stephanie, and like wasn't she trying hard not to laugh? I don't. T- it just that sounds familiar to me. I don't remember exactly. I also remember that from like a large chunk of January to March, he got the Roman Reigns treatment where he just couldn't be on TV because they're like, "What are we gonna fucking do with this guy?" Yeah, it was like yeah, it was like the first time this had really happened to that degree. Because mm-hmm. you know, Cena doesn't count. So yeah, he just goes out and he conducts that orchestra. Um, mm-hmm. no, go ahead. Oh, uh, this, uh, full credit to Dave, because I think this is like, so they have Shield Evolution props up the company for another two months of great pay-per-view main events and the excitement around the Shield Act, and I think 
not only was WrestleMania 30 a great series finale of professional wrestling, a great blow-off show for the year in that storyline, but for my monies, $9.99 a month, when Brian dies in April, essentially the end of his career, except for a three-month run, and then The Shield breaks up a month after that, WWE has been pissed trash ever since then. <laughs> I would be remiss not to mention The Authority as a big part of that, um, too, but those two events in convergence with the ongoing authority angle as they continue to feud with their non-Brian nemeses has been just, it completely destabilized the region, and I have truly not enjoyed it ever since then. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's when WWE became, like, a, sh- a company that could not do week to week, right? Like, mm-hmm. like we said, like we said last year, it's like it's pretty much just exists for these big like convention weekends where everyone gets together and like for SummerSlam or WrestleMania, and that's cool. And then it goes back to being terrible right away, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're right. This was like the end of the show ever being watchable on a week to week basis. How <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> depressing. <laughs> But it, uh, it was really cool. Yes, 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 and all such. Yes, uh, just other minor notes. Like you said, the Shield uh, beat Kane and the New Age Outlaws in two and a half minutes. An unfortunate match, but uh, at least the right result. And they started the business picked up for them uh, in the coming months. And the prior, because Wyatt's were right before that. That's true, yes. Just kind of a weird lull at WrestleMania. And, sorry. Yeah, oh, <laughs> When Roman Reigns speared Rey Mysterio at that Survivor Series you went to, Joe, he must have nice. stole the uh, Rey Mysterio <laughs> WrestleMania curse of not being able to have great matches even though he's great. <laughs> but I guess no, only- whoa, 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 whoa. That is not true. I was going to say it's only applicable to the Shield. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, yeah. But uh, yes, I remember Roman Reigns wildly cheered when he hit that move. Mm-hmm. Oh, the times they change. And Roman Reigns did a cool promo backstage where he and the Shield friends had great chemistry and were just having a great time talking about the double triple power bomb. Ah, it's like this dude's got charisma. What a star in the making. I I love him. Um, there's also. Uh, I guess a uh, Divas match, an outdated term, if there ever was one. <laughs> uh, just look at the people. Oksana was in this, Emma, Eva Marie, uh, Layla, Rosa Mendez, Summer Rae. Wow, what a, it's look, what a talent roster. AJ Lee wins the Vicky Guerrero Invitational, whatever that was. Yep. It was right after the Undertaker streak ended, so nobody, <laughs> yep. nobody, oh, yeah. nobody remembers it at all. <laughs> no, this... This may be fake Wikipedia editing, uh, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Paige did come out the next night, and that was sort of a semi-interesting thing for women's <laughs> wrestling before the real fun started in the next year. Or God, two years later. Man. Wow. And, uh, yes, also, like Matt said, a very fun uh, four-way tag match uh, on the opener. Kind of a, a two-year tradition that, uh, that ended abruptly this year. So... WrestleMania 30. Big thumbs up all around. Yeah, and I, and I, I, I do want to add a couple things about the cool Daniel sure. Bryan stuff. Um, first of all, Triple H had a good match at WrestleMania. It's possible. Um, you just have to be wrestling the greatest wrestler in the company um, at his most popular, and then it'll work out just fine. Um, and that's, I think that's also one of the great matches in WrestleMania history. People talk about that as being like right up there with Bret Hart versus Owen Hart as the greatest opener. So I think that's certainly worth noting. And the other thing is the main event. Um, 
where the crowd was basically destroyed after The Undertaker lost. They were dead. And, you know, I thought that that main event was totally screwed. In a, you know, big stadium after a long show. And, God damn it, Daniel Bryan brought them all the way back, like all the way into being like super intensely hot near the finish of the match. And I think part of it, besides Bryan himself, was they actually decided, which is something they don't really do anymore, to, you know, add a lot of booking shortcuts to the match. Like, I've noticed, and we talked about this with, um, you know, Brett versus Vince, they don't know how to overbook matches that need to be overbooked anymore. You know, having run-ins and weird stuff happening, just to make the match interesting, you know, where a straight match would be boring. And that was a problem this year, too. And uh, in the main event of WrestleMania 30, they realized, okay, well, we need to do some stuff to make this match cool. We need to have this big table spot where Brian goes out on a stretcher. We need to have Triple H run out and get knocked out with a sledgehammer. And all those things made the match a lot better. And, you know, overbooking can be bad when it's done too much. But, like, for big moments and stuff, I think it works just fine. And I think they should learn a lesson from that. And and they apparently haven't. They don't know how to overbook anymore. Quite a lot of talk about all the run-ins and twists and turns they had planned for that Reigns-Hunter match to keep it exciting. Yes, I mean, if, if you look at this card, if you take the Daniel Bryan matches out, it, it can be a little rough from an uh, in-ring perspective, but Daniel Bryan wrestled for 50 minutes, so that certainly makes up for it. Yeah, and, and I thought the Cena match was very good. And You're a little bit higher on than me. It wasn't bad, though. Yeah, and I thought that the Battle Royal was very good. As far as Battle Royals go, yes, and Cesaro, the... I think we can all agree, Andre the Giant Memorial, Battle Royal, a good concept for uh, getting guys on and giving something. I don't, I don't think the win has meant a whole lot with uh, Cesaro and <laughs> the big show not seeing any appreciable career gains, no. but see what it becomes a Baron Corp. I was very surprised um, that the Cesaro-Heyman pairing flopped so badly. I, I really thought that was going to be good. Yeah, that's just something that I don't... Can't imagine why that didn't work. I think it's because they got rid of his uh, French rap entrance music and gave him sirens. Mm-hmm. It just that hurt a lot. I'm completely serious too. Oh wow, he had no music, right? He just had Paul being like my client. Brock Lesnar conquered the Undertaker's streak at WrestleMania. Um, yeah, it. He had Heyman, who is a much bigger deal now because he's managing Lesnar, who just did what he did. He had Cesaro, who was primed for a babyface turn, but. It made sense to me because they needed heel opponents for Cena and Bryan, ostensibly, at the time, so you could keep him and make him an even hotter heel and then an even hotter babyface. And even saying this is very funny. Um, (laughs) My God. Oh, well. Indeed. So, any uh, final thoughts on WrestleMania 30? I would just say, if we're tracing trying to reconnect what the big narrative at the time, one thing Matt and I talked about, um, when we did those shows, was like, hey, this is an era of wrestling or WWE that has, has changed from the past couple years, and we're in like this era of uh, change brought about by CM Punk and Daniel Bryan and William Regal and Joey Mercury and Rob Naylor and all the people you, know, you want to credit for bringing those people in NXT. Paul, of course. Uh, and in hindsight, it seems we were, we are like in that era, but it was not the the uprising thing we thought it was more kicked off this massive tension between Vince and the audience and the push pull of that where uh, there's all these good things at your fingertips and you still have to be like why why do you have to do the things you do 
All right. Sounds good. Should we move on to 31? Or, um, I guess they, they've used numbers at that point. So, uh, what was this? WrestleMania... Play? Yeah, that's right, the play button. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, at the time of the event, I just remember maybe the glow of the ending, people were just going crazy about the show, saying it was one of the top WrestleManias. Briefly, what do you think, and uh, has your opinion changed at all since that night? Matthew? Talking to me? Sure. All right. Well, I think a lot of people were calling it that because Meltzer was there live and he said it. And I think when Meltzer went back and watched it on video, he was like, okay, no, no, it wasn't anywhere near as good as I thought it was. And then people started tempering their, their talk about it, too. So I really do think Meltzer was like, it really influenced that um, talking point a little bit. Um, I didn't think it was the best, even when I first watched it. I definitely liked WrestleMania 30 better, um, which is more satisfying. But the main event of WrestleMania 31 is, to me, one of the greatest matches in WWE history. Um, I just loved it. I mean, I, it would have been better, you know, historically, I think, if it ended. It just it, it had a cool finish between those two guys. But if you're going to do a screwy finish, what they did was awesome. Because, again, it was another big angle, you know, something that you didn't expect. And it ended WrestleMania in a really cool way. And it was a good way to cop out of having to book a finish to that match. So I think it all worked out for the best. And that match, I mean... I don't know if you guys have gone back and watched Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar in the past year, but it is so good. Um, you know, just the peak of Lesnar dominating and then kind of looking looking vulnerable, but like in the coolest way possible. And he had that little, you know, that little you know blood on the on his on his nose, and it's just uh, that match was like that made the show for me. Um, the rest of the show was pretty entertaining, but I didn't think anything super great happened. Um, you know, the latter match I thought was good, but not as good as this year's. Um, Cena versus Rusev was good, but I always get kind of weirded out by xenophobic storylines. But, um, and I was one probably one of the few people that actually liked Triple H versus Sting, because I was like, well, if you're going to have these two guys do a match, you might as well make it a total comedy match. So I actually appreciated that. Um, so it was, I thought it was very good, but um, other than the main event, I don't think anything really stood up to the year before. Yeah, I, I like 30 better, too. There was just so much more on an emotional, cathartic, enjoyable level. This was just an excellent wrestling show, made more excellent because I thought it was going to be really bad, and the build-up was really bad. Um, counter to this year, where the build-up was really bad, and I actually went into that show being like, you know what, though, they're probably going to put on a hell of a show. And then they did. <laughs> now, what's the, the thought of Seth cashing in during the match, which I, I thought was brilliant because it solved the problem of you know, you didn't, Roman wasn't ready. People didn't want it. They still had to protect him and protecting Brock and having Seth cash in the money in the bank. Was this like a popular theory before? Because I felt it like never occurred to me, and I don't remember it being really tossed out there. Uh, no, I, don't remember, I don't remember people saying that he would cash in during the match. No, that totally took me by surprise, and I remember thinking, even though I really loved the match that was going on, it was like I thought it was a pretty awesome idea. Yeah, I thought it actually made it better because it was this never-before-done thing. Never before, it, never done before. But like watching a match in hindsight, you know, where that doesn't really matter anymore. You know, you'd probably rather have that amazing match between Lesnar and Roman Reigns. You'd probably rather have it have some sort of cool decisive ending. Just in hindsight, it, just you know. Wasn't the spot right before he runs in? Isn't it like he goes for a Superman punch and lands on his shoulders and get F five? That's a finish. So. Like holy shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was also the work they did when Rollins came in and the triple spots they did were also really great too. 
yeah, I mean that was that was just a whole that that was just amazing. That whole main event segment was awesome. So that's why I that's why I balked at your Roman Reigns curse. Um, oh, I was just trying to draw a quick analogy to the Shield's dis- inexplicably disappointing WrestleMania only matches. Yes. Uh, yeah, I remember, Joe, it seemed like the only argument here was, like, Reigns are going to get booed bad. It's identical to this year. Like, we've wasted our <laughs> entire lives. So <laughs> Just a year. <laughs> so stupid. But it was like either they will do a double turn and it will come off really well, or they will force it and get Reigns' hand raised. And they came up with uh, Plan C from Mr. Plan B himself. Now, that being said, if they had had Reigns win last year, at least it would have, you know, had a, a big reaction, unlike this year. Mm-hmm. There is something to say for getting it over with. <laughs> I don't know. This year got a pretty big reaction. I don't know if it's quite what they were. Mm-hmm. They had to turn down the, uh, the audio and turn up the music, but still. Nope. Just like they did at Survivor Series and every other important Roman Reigns show. Um, yes. Yeah. So if you could, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Joe. No, go ahead. I'm, I shouldn't just like free will when I assume you have things to talk about. But um, uh, we were kind of did some redo cleanup stuff. So if you could book Brian's last match, would you have him win this ladder match? Would you give him that Ziggler match they just wanted to do to steal the show? Is there something else you want to do with him? Uh, I would have done the the Ziggler match. This match seems. <laughs> Terrible idea in hindsight, given what... I mean, it's pretty much Daniel Bryan's last stand. And, and, you know, it wasn't nice at all. It wasn't overly memorable. I think having that great singles match with Ziggler would have been uh, a fitting capper. Do you think they would have had a show-stealing match? Do you think that, uh, like, that was... Uh, they were Because I never thought their chemistry was as good as some people did. I don't know. I, I don't... There, There's no, like, of the Bryan matches, I don't have any, like, Ziggler match, like him and Ziggler matches, and I know they had a few on TV that really stand out to me, you know? Didn't they have an amazing one the next night? Yeah, they they, they did wrestle the next night. Was it amazing? I seem to recall that. I think it was really good. I think it, if you put that match on WrestleMania with the stadium and crowd and people predisposed to be really excited for it, it would be one of the more memorable recent Mania matches. All right, I'll go rewatch it. Check it out, man. It's all downhill from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I, cause just from a, what they were could have done at the time and were doing, Brian Ziegler, it's like, you see, Daniel Bryan's the best in the world, and then he ascends to heaven, becomes a force spirit ghost after that for all of our fun. Or, and <laughs> this is a, a partially a joke answer since it's a joke suggestion for however many years running, but... If Brian beat a heel Sheamus, it would pay off, like, the beginning of his big career ascent in WWE and bring that full circle. But that only, I mean, had that been booked at the time, I would have been outraged. So it only works since you're trying to, like, craft this ending to what we didn't know was an ending. You forget our truth and uh, it was in that ladder match. Like, Jobber's in these ladder matches. No chance to win. What's the point? <laughs> Plus, you have Brian, who's the biggest babyface in the company. You have Ambrose, who is the the debatable, like, some people endorse him for being made the new big star of the company. And you had Ziggler, who was at least coming off that Survivor Series thing, where it was like, hey, remember Ziggler? You kind of like him. And then 
not even just Truth's presence in this match, but the whole build was comedy belt stealing and Wade losing clean every time to everyone. It's true. But it's funny how now they're, they, I mean, they, they, they kind of rehabbed the IC title a lot in the past six months. And then now they just decided, well, you know what? That was a mistake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just put this back down to, to where it belongs. Mm-hmm. 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 So uh, we should mention, uh, speaking of secondary titles being a lot, John Cena beat Rusev with Lana and the Tank for the uh, United States title. I, on the one hand, it, it kicked off the... Uh, John Cena, U.S. champion, open challenge, which was very good. On the other hand, this <laughs> feud kind of destroyed Rusev in uh, comical fashion, so you take what you can get, I guess. Yeah, and I thought the match at um, Facts Lane was a little bit better in the ring. Um, and again, I just, as good as the performance of Rusev and Lana was in, the, in this angle and like the cool intro, you know, the cool entrances. I really, I don't know, just I, just, I can't get into in 2016 or 2015 doing, um, like, we're American and you're a foreigner stuff. Like, I, I just doesn't, it just doesn't, I just don't feel comfortable with it. I don't know. I wish, I wish, I mean, wrestling will do that forever, I guess. But I wish they didn't have to. Let me ask you this. Um, when Miz headlined 27, it was strange at the time but it hadn't quite become a punchline. And I think every year that went on and he became more and more of a nothing act, it became that much more ludicrous. Do you see that happening with Rusev here, where it's going to be like, man, it is weird that John Cena's opponent at this WrestleMania was Alexander Rusev, that guy from the League of Nations, that guy who loses to Kalisto. I mean, <laughs> I don't think so, because it wasn't the main event, first of all. Um, and because... I mean, I think everyone's going to remember that Rusev was really good, at least at one time. I think he probably still is, but he definitely was then. So, And no one really thinks The Miz was ever really good. I think people think that he like did a pretty good job in that role, but like in the ring, you never hear anyone being like, yeah, The Miz was awesome for a while. You know, that didn't oh, really so. happen. <laughs> <laughs> I just know, also going back to that Brian Ziggler the next night, Cena wrestled Ambrose the next night, so... You'd have this, like, dream card of John Cena versus Dean Ambrose, Brian versus Ziggler, underneath a Reigns-Lesnar uh, great main event. But, oh well. Yeah, this was sort of like, that IC title thing was probably like the bottoming out of their use of Dean Ambrose, too. Right? They kind of just, like, he was a total dork at this point. They somehow built him up to actually be in title matches against Seth Rollins again. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they, they, you know, it looked like they were never going to do anything with him at this point. Yeah. And you want to talk about inability to properly blow storylines and deflating the crowd for no reason, which I think is going to become what we're going to talk about a lot next, but Big Show winning the Battle Royal and eliminating Damian Mizdow so he could headline Extreme Rules with Roman Reigns as a strong heel the next month was a great example of just, like, deflating the crowd when you didn't need to do that at all. You <laughs> dumb dicks. <laughs> I remember the Cubs fan just tweeting that this company was unable to properly book a wet dream. <laughs> True. It is. Um, also, Triple H beats Sting. Oh, God. That, yeah, that would be a better example, too. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I thought, you know, the, the match was wacky. You know, they brought out <laughs> the NWO to help Sting, which was fairly inconsequential. I don't feel there was any sort of WCW brotherhood at the time that needed defending, but... Whatever. The thing that galled me the most was when 
Sting shook his hand afterwards after Triple H belted him in the head with a sledgehammer. Like, well, you got one over on me. Bring it in. It's like, no, like, come on. And, you know, Sting, uh, Sting's WWE career was a loss to Triple H at WrestleMania and getting crippled by Seth Rollins at uh, Night of Champions. So, good on you. Yeah, I, I have to say, um, I'm as of this recording... We have not yet seen a Roman Reigns promo where he uh, talks about what a great, tough competitor <laughs> Triple H was and how much he respects him as a wrestler, even though he's a real jerk. So, because I think that kind of fits in with the theme of Sting shaking Triple H's hand after he hits him in the head with a sledgehammer. That, but I still, like I said, the best I was hoping for that match was that it could be funny, and it was. <laughs> so I was happy with it. Yeah, that's one of those that has become more farcical as time goes on, where it's like, oh man, that's really it. And Triple H is not headlining with The Rock. Now, granted, he he did end up headlining, but that certainly wasn't the thought at the time because in between he went back down to like a grudge match with Seth Rollins. So we've got to build up Triple H. Sure would have. Yes. Or even because well, he was the main event night the next year, yep. so can't be losing this thing. Oh, I, come on! I forgot about the Ronda Rousey thing already. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was um, that main event. Yeah, that was uh, something that did not come to fruition. <laughs> but, you know, I, I thought it was a cool moment. The Rock doing Rock things, as he's wont to do. So, did a fine job on SNL the night before. Flew out. Came to WrestleMania. Yeah, it just never uh, never happened. So, I guess if we <laughs> fantasy book uh, WrestleMania 32, maybe that'll come up as a viable option. Ah, uh, yes, and if we're noting things, just... Freaking do Undertaker versus Sting. Let them have their dumb match with each other. Triple H, I don't give a shit what he does. Triple H doesn't actually have to have a match. You know? No. You know? I know, know he thinks that he does, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they'll still do okay. I think yeah. if you... So, Authority goes out of Powered Survivor Series. We don't need to see Triple H again until, like, if you think it's a good idea, he returns at the Royal Rumble and wins the championship. Or... You know, he could just be popular on NXT. That too. And, and live that life. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. Triple H went into seclusion for a year, like the batting man in Fat Man Begins, and just uh, appeared to wave at the beginning of NXTs. He sort of yeah. he sort of did go into seclusion various points, you know, like between WrestleManias and SummerSlams, and, mm-hmm. you know, he would disappear for a while. You know, until the authority started, he was not a regular in, like, well, like, 2011, 2012, right? Right. He was sort of on the Undertaker schedule with a few more in-between appearances. Right. All right. Also on the card, just a random women's tag match, AJ Lee and Page against the Bella Twins, and one year later, 75% of them no longer around, so... I, I forgot AJ was even still there at that point. She'd been gone for a while before, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it, you know, it was kind of weird and awkward and, and all that good stuff. Say so, yes. She came back just for this uh, Mania run, pretty much, and was like, you know what? Thanks for booking me on that show. I do have to go. It's been great. <laughs> it's been great, and yeah, that's... See you nowhere. I've lighted up. Yeah, and one of, and one of the things WWE loves to talk about at WrestleMania 31, um, because it just shows you like the stuff that they think is important. They love to talk about that RKO. Oh yes, they mm-hmm. just they just they love they still love Randy Orton, and it's you know it's Randy Orton's been gone 
for a long time. It's hard for me to picture even hit like what like, where he fits in anymore. You know, like it's like this current thing plus Randy Orton. I can't even picture. <laughs> Uh, he, I don't know, he's just a dude who's popular in the undercard, and, yeah. you know, he'll get the occasional title shot, and uh, he'll always be around. Mm-hmm. He'll be infuriatingly slotted ahead of Dean Ambrose, I'm sure. Oh, no doubt. But, yeah, right, it was a uh, it was a great finish. Uh, you can, yeah, but no one was happier about it than Randy. Yeah, he's marching around. They show that clip sometimes. Why makes why did Seth Rollins jump straight in the air for no reason? <laughs> he jumped twenty feet. What are you trying to do? Why do you do this? <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, something taking out part of the equation. Hmm. The removal of the curb stomp from history. So, um, as you pointed out, oh. things to be with the great Usos four way and uh, did not think that New Day would become by far the breakout star of that match. <laughs> Uh, I guess if you uh, don't count Kid and Cesaro, yeah, because I was still slot them ahead of the uh, Matadors or I guess the people from Puerto Rico or uh, Usos. Us. And uh, I guess the other thing we didn't really mention was Undertaker being Bray Wyatt so bright again. Because did Undertaker do anything in the build-up? Did he just show up and? He I think up? he. I think he did not. I don't think he did anything until WrestleMania. No. All right. The disembodied voice came on the Entertainment Tron once and was like, "Fine, rest <laughs> in peace," and shot a lightning bolt. Well, that's all you need. Yeah, this was um, yeah, just a match. I mean, I guess they felt the need to uh, rehab Undertaker. I wouldn't, you know, I don't think you should beat him. But but it not stop. But it did show that the Undertaker was back. Like you know. Like, he looked a lot better than he looked the year before. Like, it's, oh, yeah. So, I think, it, like, it was good for them, like, and him to have confidence. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to come back and do a program with Brock. Like, I can actually do matches now. That is very true, where he looked, you know, because people were thinking, like, well, that's it for The Undertaker, <laughs> both because of the loss and how bad he looked in that match. But when you're not concussed, you uh, at least do an increase in performance. Mm-hmm. And also, Bray, the day of the show, working out some spots in the ring, I guess, twisted his leg real bad or something like that. But... Uh, people generally don't point to that as a uh, faithful injury that derailed a classic as much as they do the year before. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just uh, one last note that no match went over 20 minutes here. They kind of kept, uh, you know, because God knows that was a problem this year, and uh, I know especially the the one in New York, there were several long matches in a row, but they, they kept things chugging along. Uh, yeah, I... Really like this show a lot. I think it's a, another solid WrestleMania. Great finish. Some stuff paying off. Some good wrestling. Thumbs up. Yeah, it led they, to they, conventional they some bad habits. Sorry, mm. that's all right. Led to conventional wisdom that regardless of what happens, everyone will step up their game the day of the show and put on a good show. And they did. Did that happen this all right. week? All right. So this brings us to WrestleMania 32 or WrestleMania Star if you will, the all-time record holder for attendance and gate. Justin, you tweeted out, worse than 16, congrats to all, and all these all these finishes are fucking trash from a toilet. Sorry, Zach, which makes me question the plumbing situation. <laughs> <laughs> Just... Now, you were not, uh, you were not on the, the Twitter machine like Justin and I were for six hours, so <laughs> what are your thoughts 
on the matter. Well, okay. So I um, I don't agree with Justin if you're saying that Guy didn't step up and put on their best effort, because I think all the wrestlers pretty much did. Um, and I definitely liked the show more than Justin. You know, I, I didn't think it was one of the great WrestleManias, but I definitely think there have been worse ones in the past um, 16 years. Um Including WrestleMania 29, I thought was worse. But, mm-hmm. uh, um, but uh, the finishes obviously were trash from a garbage can. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, the real thing that I, um, besides the, the finishes, this goes back to what I was saying before. Why don't they realize that they needed to overbook the Undertaker match and the Roman Reigns match? Like, why did they think that they would just put them out there for 30 minutes and have nothing happen until a big spot at the end? You know, I mean, before the before WrestleMania, everyone was like, oh, yeah, you know, at home, the cell is going to be all these run-ins and the prizes and the Mean Street Posse is going to be there. And I get it. Like, I get that um, you don't want to do that too much. It gets very Russo-rific. But I believe Justin, I texted you during the show, and I was like, WWE needs to hire Russo as a consultant just so they could, like, on big matches where they need to have overbooking, they can actually ask him how to do it because they don't remember. Like, wouldn't have those matches been better if they'd had, like, stuff happening during them besides just, like, Shane McMahon trying to do submission wrestling for a half hour? Yeah, they took the path of, I guess, the laziest resistance. Yeah, that's what I think. It's like, lazy. It's like... Okay, these like I you know appreciate clean one-on-one contests and all that, all all Japan style and uh, what have you. But what um like these could have been greatly helped by something interesting happening, and you know would have been an improvement. And, but and everyone everyone expected it. Everyone thought like okay, there's going to be like crazy stuff happening during these matches, and nothing happened. Shane McMahon and the Undertaker just had a fifty-fifty wrestling match, and it's you know Shane McMahon's you know even though he's had a bunch of matches in his life, he's not a wrestler. Like, he's not actually a wrestler. He's like a guest star wrestler. And he's, you know, doing better against The Undertaker than Bray Wyatt did. You know, it's... And and it's really boring for a long time. And yes, the fall was cool, but it's not even going to be, like, one of those things where it's like everyone's going to remember that match positively because of the fall. I think people are more going to remember how boring the match was, the people who actually watched it. And the same thing goes for Roman Reigns versus Triple H. Like, just have some run-ins. Just have some run-ins and big bumps and, like, stuff happening, and then suddenly that match is interesting. And yes, you should cut them in half time-wise. Um, but I think, to me, like, that, even more than some of the finishes, because, like, yeah, WWE has bad booking, and they... They book finishes that piss people off, and like kind of expected that. I didn't necessarily expect that much, that many bad finishes, but at the very least, make your main events memorable. And they didn't even try, so that's that's kind of where the most of my disappointment lies. Well, just to clarify, I don't think it's one of the worst WrestleManias ever, but I think they were on a stretch of largely professional and okay WrestleManias, where even the ones people don't like, like 25-29, had a classic Undertaker match. And so that's why I had to go all the way back to, like, 16 or 18 is is where I ended up, because um, 18 was a disappointing show wrestling-wise, but um, regardless of what you think of Rockin' Hogan from the star rating standpoint or what have you. That is something that people were really pleased by and excited about. Yeah. I would rather watch Rock Hogan than The Undertaker against Triple H. Right. Um, so this was more of just a thing, because I, I don't know what I told you off air when we started the show. On the day of WrestleMania, 
I'm coming off NXT, and it's a fun weekend in general, and uh, just really happy to watch the show. And then it was just kind of a cascading thing, because even throwing out the Reigns-Triple H deal, just a stretch of every match in a row did not have a finish that I liked. Or I would say even the crowd favorite, because if you say Ambrose and Lesnar as well as Undertaker Shane were babyface babyface matches, the little guy fighting the big guy is the underdog. And both of those times, uh, he did not win. So it was like non-crowd favorites winning every match, one after another, after another, after another, after the Ryder match, which was a nice thing, but also like a comedy spot that had the two real stars people were excited about lose that match. Now, Greg, I, I really like Zach, so I was incredibly happy for him. That dumb shit idiot, what was you thinking? What a stupid fucking piece of shit. But, um, you know, uh, uh, I'm trying to build entertaining TV and do something with Owens and Zane. Grand, they can keep having their feud, and they don't maybe need that belt, since it is apparently a belt for idiots. But, uh, so... Very next match, Jericho code breaks AJ Styles, and it just sets off this string of really demoralizing finishes. And if you're already at a point of morals that is not high, to have that taken even lower, where you're like, you can't even get, like, a big Sasha Banks coronating win on this show, uh, what is wrong with you? And the Lesnar Ambrose thing was particularly infuriating, because that was... Maybe the pleasant surprise in the booking was that they added this to the show instead of Lesnar-Wyatt, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, they're going to put Ambrose in a prominent position. And the way they worked that match, maybe it goes also, Matt, despite the fact that it was like a, a hardcore match with all those weapon spots, about their inability to craft, like, an exciting match with twists and turns. Like, how can you have that build up and Ambrose lose all of his other pay-per-view matches and then get splattered in, in all the build-up and not have him come out of it as, like, this uh, really brave guy who came so close and fought so hard. Instead, he just lost. Well, yeah, I, um, so I said, they're, they're obviously their perception of the Dean Ambrose character is extremely different from what mine is or would be. Like, I just have a very different thought about what that character is supposed to be. I um, see, like I think I, just, I said this to you, right? My my thought is Dean Ambrose, the character, is like he should be like a maniac, like a dangerous, tough guy, right? But I think the way they actually portray him is like he's the opposite of dangerous, but he's kind of tough, but he's also an idiot, right? <laughs> which is which is not which is not what I would be doing with him, you know? I mean, like, you know, I think from the like that match, I think, I thought it was pretty good, but for what like. Like, it was probably the one that bothered me the most of the first... Because I enjoyed the first, like, two hours and 15 minutes of that show. Like, I thought it was a really good show in, like, from an in-ring standpoint. But that match upset me because, uh, um, yeah, because, like, like, solid as it was, it was just the wrong thing to do. You wanted to have, like, this great back, like, back-and-forth match, and, you know, maybe Lesnar got more offense, but, you know, Ambrose was crafty and showed how tough he was by taking Lesnar to his limit, like CM Punk did. But instead, it was mostly, you know, a squash match with, like, one hope spot, pretty much. And, yeah, that's weird. I mean, I, Ambrose probably should have come out and, like, jumped Lesnar right at the beginning and actually got a lot of offense early, you know, to mitigate maybe Lesnar's suplex city streak. But instead, it was just like every other recent Lesnar match where he just 
suplex them forever. And you know, it's boring now. It was cool when Lesnar first was doing it, but now it's old. It's old news, and people like Dean Ambrose. And I guess, I mean, it just—it seems to me like this just tells us like we gotta we gotta put our eggs in another basket because they're not gonna they're not gonna go much further with Ambrose because this was their opportunity to really do something with him, and they didn't. I think we're gonna. I tweeted this, but I think we're gonna look back someday when they badly need a top babyface. Like now, we're gonna realize. Like, we're gonna realize like how bad they screwed up Dean Ambrose. I, they had a, they had a window right when the Shield broke up, and he was so popular. And they said he's not the guy, and he'd lost a bunch of times. He, you know, I mean, you don't have to win every match and get over and losing, but you have to win some big matches. And he hasn't. And the, like you said, this was Brock was never in any real serious danger. And you know, it was just. Not nearly what you hoped it would have been, considering these two in the no disqualification setting would have been should have been like some something crazy and something, but it wasn't. Brock just beat him up and pinned him. But it it goes to show like like how popular Ambrose is that despite the bad booking many times over the past couple of years, they've managed to get him back to the point where he's on the cusp of being something huge, and then they pull it back again. They just they just can't, I don't know what it is. They just can't do it. I mean, so I, like I said, I've given up on them ever doing anything with Dean Ambrose. I hope I'm pleasantly surprised, but I've definitely given up. I should have. What we were talking about last time and his placement in that ladder match last year was like the most marginalized cooling off of Ambrose. But then he had, as Joe said, the the title shots with Rollins. Then he sort of went back to being Reigns' barber beefcake, as I like to say, <laughs> alliteratively. Barber beefcake trash from a toilet. I always choose alliteration. Um... <laughs> What if you blow your nose on a piece of toilet paper? Put it in the toilet. Why walk it all the way to the garbage can? That's trash in a toilet. <laughs> no? Tampon. Trash. Oh, wait, you don't flush those. Do you? No, you don't. Where do they go? Anyway. Um, <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, as he said. So, this then him going the final two in the Royal Rumble and the final two at the Survivor Series for just, if only out of pure dearth of options, and getting this match with Lesnar, and the Toronto thing with Triple H, uh, I think Mel said on his audio, and I agree, like, they did a pretend what would have been, like, an amazing WrestleMania coronation program with him doing these promos of, like, I'm going to win the belt and become the next <laughs> dude. And he was yeah, really then, good at it. But then if they really had... WrestleMania, the Triple H fight still would have won the same way he won at uh, <laughs> at Roadblock, and it would have right. been even sadder, I think. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, and then the other infuriating thing, boy, I just, I hate that whole situation, I hate this show, is, you know who did go 50-50 with a monster <laughs> despite being an undersized guy was uh, Shane O'Mac. So. Yeah. <sighs> I just, like... You know, you hear like, oh, everyone's so excited. Ticket sales picked up when Shane O'Mac came back. And I'm like, he's not a wrestler. He, why is he kicking out of the last rides? Why is he, you know, going toe-to-toe with The Undertaker and out-wrestling him? This is, uh, it's, it's fucking ludicrous. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, I, made, I made peace with the Shane McMahon thing when I, when I decided that they were going to have, like, crazy stuff happening and the Mean Street Poppy was going to come out. And, you know, lots of guys were going to come out and take weird bumps. But instead, like, it, well, forget it. You know, you know the deal. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, like, you know, where where was Vince? Why didn't he show up? Like, well, you know, why didn't they have the Mean Street Posse? Why didn't they have, why did they go a half hour? This is, you know, I think 
maybe the fourth longest WrestleMania match besides the the Iron Man, and you know it's pretty close. It's not like the others are far ahead. It's like I don't know what they were thinking. Like it's it was the exact same sort of thing, not as bad, but the exact same sort of thing they did with Vince versus Brett. Like where they're just like we have so many things we could do to make this fun, but we're not going to do any of them. Sure didn't. <laughs> well, maybe maybe they did. Maybe they did one of them. If you really like giant drops, I don't know. Under big balloon. <laughs> yeah, but you know it's still impressive. You still have to hit that big balloon. You know that's that a small true. target. Yeah. It was. Pretty yeah, that was. And I, you can show it over and over again forever. I would rather have seen the Mean Street Posse run in and get choke slammed than have Shane McMahon attempt to kill himself. Yeah, I'd have rather seen, I don't care what the ticket sale said and all the dumb pops that Shane McMahon got, have him represent a guy. Seems like Brock Lesnar wasn't doing anything important on this show, and they did blow off their Hell in a Cell, other Hell in a Cell match a few months before. And then Shane, a manager, can do his uh, uh, cat fight with Vince and, for whatever reason, eventually do his one big jump that he's good for, and then, hooray, shenanigans. But no, they did, they did not give us shenanigans, Justin. It's sad. No. Shenanigans. <laughs> so, yeah, as, as I said before, I, I did think that the in-ring aspect of the show was good until the, until the end of the women's match. And the women's match really could have been cemented, like you said, Justin, by just having this big coronation of babyface win. Like, that would have made that match you know, that much more memorable. Because as it stands, I think it was the best wrestling match on the show. But they, you know, it just it just had another, like, screwy heel finish, so you don't really remember it as much. Like, if they were going to have one match, if they, were, if they were really deciding they were going to fuck over the finish on every match, like, yeah, at least if you're going to make the women's match a big centerpiece, do something at the end to make it, like, stand out in history. And I think, like, a big babyface win would have been it, and they didn't do it. So it's another screw-up. I, I agree. I think that was my favorite match of the night. It was, it was close to it. it. was, you know, it was a very important match for, uh, you know, kind of a standpoint of what you know women had done on previous WrestleManias. We just talked about, you know, two years ago the Vicky Guerrero Invitational and all the nonsense that was. This was not put in a cool down spot. It was given a lot of time, and they, you know, they had some rough patches that they, by and large, delivered. Yeah, and, and it was cool that. Like, you know, because you never know with a crowd that big how much of the audience is actually going to be with that kind of stuff. And for by and large, 100,000 people were with the women and treated them with respect and were treated as a wrestling match. So I really like that. It made it felt, felt good. Mm-hmm. Got the new belt and, uh, okay, yeah, there's just uh, the, you know, success across the, uh, except, you know, maybe the ending. I'm not as, you know, upset on the ending. I think Sasha can chase for a bit. It would have certainly helped them have this, you know, this, Important match to have something a memorable ending as opposed to Ric Flair, you know, interfering yeah. or pre- preventing a breakup. But yeah. again, I think you know, Sasha's still being built. It'll it'll help if they do it at SummerSlam. I think that's fine. And yeah, like thinking thinking long term, it's fine. But you know, I you know, this is supposed to be the biggest WrestleMania ever, so you want some big moments, you know. I mean, so like, it, I think that that's what frustrated me. Like, that's what makes this show more frustrating than other years. Like, this is the show that's going to stand as having the all time attendance record probably forever. Like, I don't know how they're going to top 97,000 people. I don't know how they're going to do that. So I'm, I'm expecting that will never happen. And, like, this is what stands. Like, you don't have any real great moments at all. Like, that, like so that, 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 I think, is what frustrates me about it. It's like you want to have a WrestleMania that you can look back on and be like, oh, yeah, that was cool. 
And there's really nothing like that on this WrestleMania. My favorite part, honestly, was, you know, the crowd giving respect to the women and then the crowd singing Sami Zayn's theme because that's just very satisfying to have 100,000 people seeing, you know, a guy who you saw come up from the Indies and sing his theme, you know, even though he hasn't really been pushed that much on WWE TV. That's, that's pretty cool. But none of the stuff they did, you know, really was worthy of being the biggest crowd in their history. That's why I think just that succession of finishes, because, like, the favorites uh, of us three guys, which is also the favorites of the dorks, dweebazides, dipshits, etc., who comprise wrestling audience, which is also now just your hardcore WrestleMania audience of the people who mutinied when Daniel Bryan lost in 18 seconds. They are Zayn and Owens, who lost, AJ Styles, who lost, The New Day, who lost, Becky and Sasha, who lost. All in a row. So, shut up. <laughs> did, did you did you mention Dean Ambrose? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, how's come? I think the the New Day match I, was probably most confounding to me because you have a very popular against all odds breakout act. They're baby faces. Yeah, and <laughs> the League of Nations a, a dud in every regard. Just comically stupid and. And they win. And I'm like, well, that's stupid, but what are you going to do? And then, you know, they beat him up some more, and they say, ha no three men could beat us. Bringing out Shawn Michaels, Mick Foley, and Steve Austin to admittedly a humongous pop, and they beat up the League of Nations, and then Xavier gets a stunner, and, the, and Kofi and Big E are like, oh, well, okay, that happened. And it's like, remember when wrestling was good? Not like that now, but it used to be good. Yeah. All right, and like you say, they... they <laughs> thought short-term, but not long-term at all, in, at least in this segment. Yep. You're right. I mean, even short-term, like, they could have done better with that. I mean, I, I'm almost disappointed in Steve Austin. He should have been like, well, well, hell, that don't make no logical sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's studying Xavier Woods. You know, it like, sure he, doesn't. He, he just done Seamus. <laughs> no, who, want, who doesn't want to see Seamus get beaten up? Like, just just have the New Day win, and then League of Nations attacks afterwards. They have an advantage. And then the, you know, old guys come in for the save, and then everyone dances at the end. Everyone's happy. You have a nice moment, and you don't, you know, you don't cannibalize your current roster. So strange. And them especially, they're the ones who are, like, have actual momentum and star power to the point where they got this entrance and all that. Like, why did you actually be, like... It could actually be stars, like, outside, you know, like, in the mainstream. Like, they could actually promote those guys. They're charismatic and, you know, seem charming. And for them to be the setup for it, wasn't, like, an historic cool segment, like the meeting of Hogan and Austin Rock, or the angle of Rock and Ronda Rousey. I was like, why do you think this is good? I guess Austin and Sean are from Texas, and it's good to have them there. Sean did look jacked. Congratulations to him. But, like, were those three guys taping a podcast backstage and then went, wait, we're three guys? Hey, you can't say that. I don't get it. Uh, and, um, again, the, the <laughs> Chris Jericho beats AJ Styles, Fandango's revenge match or something. Because, again, it, a, a good match, but, you know, just it never really got to that second gear. And I don't, you know, I don't get why AJ Styles lost, especially when, as of, you know, we're recording this, he's challenging Roman Reigns for the title, and I know he beat Jericho the next night, I'm sure we'll hear about, like, oh, you Marks don't understand how wrestling works and all that, but, like, 
if you're going to have a guy challenge, maybe you should win. I don't know. It was just, and like Jericho's not going to be hurt by a loss. You, you know, he wins enough. You shouldn't make him lose every time, but I don't know. I don't know. That was just really weird. And he won basically clean, right? I mean, he shoved the ref, but I don't think that had much of a much of an effect on the match, no, right? he won clean. Yeah. It's like he shoved the ref, but then he still hit AJ with a legal maneuver and won, yeah. so. Yeah, he, he rev- AJ was on offense and Jericho reversed it and won. He hit the, he, yeah. he hit the code breaker off of a dive. So. I don't know. Hmm. Now, the booking was, the booking, okay, just, the booking was like, um, poop in a toilet. <laughs> mm. Something that belongs there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, anything else? We had a, we had another rock segment. It was like, this, I mean, this show, the first pre-show match came on at, I believe, 545, mm-hmm. and it ended six hours later. I remember Rock's out at like 10, yeah, like 1040. I'm like, what's going on? Like, you know, Rock has a flamethrower. He sets his name on fire, because, you know, I'm, I'm sure. He's talking, like, you know, he had a pretty rough segment talking about people having kids afterwards. I swear so to God, excited. he definitely has used that line in one of his six WrestleMania yeah, yeah. He, he did, <laughs> Was he, it the he first one? No, WrestleMania 30, he did it, and it was actually funny. Like, he did a poem <laughs> about it, and it was actually, like, cool. And this time, he's just like, yeah, you're going to make rock babies. Like, he just did, like, the, the lazy version of it. And then <laughs> Bray Wyatt comes out, and he's mad at the rock, because the people like him are reasons. Uh, you know, and then The Rock says, I want a match. And he, you know, tears off his, uh, his tracksuit there. Always bring your gear. Beats Ark Rowan in six seconds. That This could very well be The Rock's last <laughs> WWE match. You know, before that, and then John Cena comes out for, you know, and they, they beat up the Wyatts. And I'm like, what's happening? It's like, he requested to work with the Wyatts. Like, why? <laughs> but, uh, he really liked them so much, he's like, I'll berate these guys and humiliate them. <laughs> Like and then you know the whites are reduced to feuding with the League of Nations afterwards. It's too bad this couldn't have all been consolidated. The whites are a three four man group. New Day and the League are multiple man groups. All those dudes in the uh, Legends who came in the last one, Rock did the same thing here. Rock and Cena and Foley and Austin and Michaels. And granted, Dwayne makes his own call. <laughs> I'm sure, he was like, no, flamethrower, cheerleaders, the Rock. <laughs> Like, why can't he team with the New Day? Like, that yeah, that's where we're just like switch the two, right? Rock makes yeah, the save like, in the New Day match, and then the Wyatts come out, and they're just like, all these people, uh, and then three guys come out for no reason, <laughs> and be like, hey, we're three guys. Like, like you know, the Rock can do a Rock if he could do a Rock bottom, and this is the talk of his, you know, Baywatch insurance and all that. Like, you know, you know four on four, like New Day and the Rock, like that's helpful. That's good for everyone. Just switching those uh, two, and we just hit on that accidentally. Makes yes. so much sense. <laughs> yeah, but then, you know, but you know what would happen if it was New Day and the Rock against, like, the White family is, like, um, the, well, the New Day and the Rock would have lost because they don't book happy endings on this show. So. Sure, sure. Rock wouldn't have lost. I, I cannot fathom that. Fair enough. I know the Rock does a lot of jobs in his day, but he he wouldn't lose there. Fair enough. Even they realize that. Uh, let's see. Shaq. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. <laughs> up in the Royal. I actually kind of marked out for that, I have to admit. I thought, I have, you know, because I know Shaq's a big wrestling fan, and I'm sure it was a, a big deal for him. So I was like, yeah. you, know, that, you know what, that's cool. He's not, 
okay, he choked Slam Kane. Like, it's not, you know, he, I think, uh, who is it, Fandango and uh, Damien uh, Sandow, yeah, kind of got put in their place, but not, you know, not a big deal. And, you know, good for him. And, and DDP was there. and uh, yeah. Oh, you know what I have to say? Because um, Brian Alvarez the day before said, like, you know, people are going to find the ending of that Battle Royal very interesting. And I saw Darren Young still in the ring near the end, and I was like, maybe Darren Young's going to win. Like, I really did have that thought for, like, five seconds. <laughs> just the way just going, I'm like, oh, God, Kane is winning this, isn't he? Yeah. And came very close, but no. Baron Corbin, uh, sure, why not? You know, it's just... I don't know. You know, I mean, I know he's new and he's funny and he's gotten better, but that I can't think of him in isolation compared to just like how funny it is that he is the guy who was plucked from obscurity and put in that match. I don't think Vince yeah. was sitting backstage at Takeover and was like, "Well, that's the guy we need. Get him in there." <laughs> it's funny to think about, right? Yeah, it's um, you know he it's it's probably too soon. And this was, I mean, any goodness was undone the next night on Raw when he mm-hmm. cuts a promo, goes fifty fifty with Dolph, and then has a double count out. It was just why is it so hard? Just have him come out, not say a word, squash someone. There you go, go from there. If Cesaro was cleared, which clearly he is, he should have just won, and people would have had a second whole thing on this show to be happy about. <laughs> I think they had, at a certain point, decided, you know what, let's just give this show one tone, and then we'll make all the happy things happen on Raw. <laughs> Not that there were that many of those either, but there was at least a couple. <laughs> and uh, did anyone uh, partake in the pre-show festivities? I did not watch any of it. <laughs> oh. Too much, well, just too much. Yeah, I, you know, I... I felt bad. I like kicked my family out. I was at like five thirty and did start for a while after that. But uh, you know, I liked Kalisto and Ryback, but the place is so empty. It's like they probably work in front of more people on your average draw than uh, they are right now. But you know, solid enough. I thought the the ten woman divas match was a lot better than I expected. It got time. Was not was well laid out. I think you know, no one looked bad, and uh, the Usos match was uh, dumb and short and and backwards in the fact that. People didn't like the Usos. They didn't want them doing table spots. I only went... I didn't see the pre-show because I was traveling to the location at which I would watch the show. And uh, But I did go back and watch. Um, I'm so disgusted. Disgusted, as my friend Becky says. I ever that happened. <laughs> but still went and watched the women's tag and the lead announcement, which can only be seen as a positive and a, a nice thing. Um, and I agree. I thought it was... Um, by the standards of throwing all the women out there so they'll shut up, matches at WrestleMania, easily the best one, and it, uh, maybe, by default, had the other most feel-good moment on the show where Brie got to win with her husband's move. And uh, then her sister came out and everybody lifted her up on her sho- their shoulders and they immediately cut away. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's just that kind of night. Well, they had to get to, uh, you know, something. <laughs> They had to get to a Doritos. I commercial. believe they immediately cut to just people milling about in the uh, <laughs> um, concession area, and Renee was like, "It's the most spectacular night." Um, and then, oh. oh my goodness! All right, we. Uh, I believe we've covered everything except the main event of uh, Roman Reigns 
his journey to become a three-time champion came to its final conclusion. Defeats Triple H, and uh, they went 27 minutes when we were <laughs> over five hours into the show at that point. It was ungodly boring. I tweeted out a sequence of Zs. Justin did the same to indicate we were sleeping. I did not see your Zs also. I checked the timestamps. Your Zs predated mine by about 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. And the identical reaction of Zs. Yes, it was just, I mean, you would think this is a match where Triple H has, you know, he could get people out or some kind of security or something to interfere or something interesting to happen. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe Dean could come out, help his friend. Maybe Seth is around to do something. Maybe, you know, honestly, maybe he can't. That's fine. And they just did nothing. Like, you know, Stephanie just got in the ring at one point. We thought we heard it was no DQ. It wasn't. <laughs> but uh, Stephanie gets in the ring. He's like, you can't tell me what to do, referee. And she gets speared. And, uh, yeah, Roman just spears Triple H and wins the title. And no one is happy at all. Yeah, it's... It's like, he just, Triple H just makes the same mistake over and over and over again. I've mentioned it before, so it's like a broken record, but like, what the fuck, what the, what is wrong with these people? Like, they're, they're professional entertainers. They're supposed to, like, know how to entertain. And they should, I mean, do you think there's anything to the theory that they intentionally had this match after such a super long show because they wanted the crowd to be too tired to boo Roman out of the building? What an odd... I mean, it kind of makes sense, but it just seems too odd to me. To, I mean, but, you know... But they, they did not boo him as loudly as they would have two hours earlier. I do believe that. I would imagine not, no, but he was pretty soundly booed. So. It was unanimous. It was just not that, like, overflowing one-night stand for John Cena type yeah. displeasure. Yeah, they were booing him, but they weren't, like, having fun booing him. No. Yeah. It's more out of uh, <laughs> obligation. Okay, yeah. That's how I felt, like... So, Matt and I done these podcasts, Justin Shapiro's show, in February, March every year. And I had every intention of doing one this year, and I still think we will. Maybe I say now. <laughs> but, like, week after week, I just could not it do it. I did not have the oxygen to want to, like, talk about this. And we never did. Yeah, I, mean, I apologize to Matt professionally right now. I just we are, get we it are, going. We are professionals we make lots of money doing this um Holly. yes well i mean there's what's the what was the even say before wrestlemania it's like yep yeah, i don't care about this do you care about this nope all right and the identical points we made a year before like this yeah. i what i respect about this whole roman reigns adventure is not once since summer 2014 when I said, hey, you know what I think might happen with him? All these things based on historical precedents. And not once have I had to waver from my thinking or second-guess myself in the least. Which is bad for, like, a a thinking-about-things standpoint. It's like, challenge your preconceived notions? But no. Guys, my preconceived notions were awesome. And I just (laughs) continue to be proven right over and over again. How validating. Oh, whatever makes you feel better. It doesn't. <laughs> makes me feel tired, honestly. Um, yeah, it was, it was tiring. It was a really tiring show. Not in a good way. Yeah, it was... Yeah, it wasn't like... I mean, I never felt overly fatigued. That You know, around the end, I was just starting to get like, oh, God, because, you know, they went 27 minutes, which is a really long match. Especially, you know, at that point of a wrestling card... 
yeah, it was just by the end, I'm like, oh, God, can this just end? Which is not what you want to have happen. There was uh, the, the, show of the, year. the two scenarios people saw playing out, again, using historical precedent, this was going to go one of two ways. It was going to be the Triple H-John Cena-WrestleMania 22 match where the reverse polarity hate makes it, like, carries it and makes it an exciting match, or it was going to be the customary Triple H dead main event, and it was decidedly the latter. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think, like, like of, the, of like, the Triple H dead main event, so you have the Jericho one. Mm-hmm. I think the Batista one goes in there, because that was a really hot... Hot angle that really did not have a hot crowd until the very end. Um, the Orton one, and now this, right? Is there any, anything that I'm missing as far as dead Triple H main events? Well, if you consider Brock a co-main event. Yeah, yeah, yeah we can we can add that in. So of all of them, they gave themselves there a lot of thirty minutes, of course. Yeah. Which one was the most disappointing? Which one was the worst? Uh, I'm I'm inclined to say the Orton one because that was like a, a hot program and it's like you know Orton was pretty capable um, and they, it's not like they were I mean they were following Undertaker versus um, versus Michaels but not directly the way they had the way the way Triple H had to follow Hogan and Rock a few years earlier so um, uh, Orton versus Triple H to me was the most disappointing, but I think this Reigns match might have been the actual like worst. Uh, I can't say I expected a lot out of Orton and Triple H, and I didn't expect a lot here. This was probably the worst. I don't know. Maybe if you count the Brock one, it would be the most disappointing because Brock was, you know, an exciting figure at the time, and Triple H kind of dragged him down to his level. Um. Yeah, I'm inclined to call this one the worst just out of malice. I don't know. The Randy one was, like, hilariously dead crowd, and this one became that after the initial, like, we're going to boo you, Roman Reigns, died down. Um, it's one of those. Hmm. It's like, what's worse, Triple H being, like, an actual babyface, overcoming odds no one wants him to overcome and posing at the end of the show, or Roman Reigns doing the same thing? Hmm. Because Hunter and Jericho, to me, was just like, this was at a time when you put those two guys in this WWF pay-per-view main event, you expect them to have, like, uh, at the very least, a very good, excellent match, and instead they just had, like, a fine match to such a diminished reaction from the Hogan-Rock deal. Um, And the Randy thing was, like, a genuine flop, as was this. So, mm, hmm. Also... Don't sleep on the WrestleMania 16 main event as a disappointing Triple H WrestleMania mm. main event. That went, like, way too long. Yep. Hunter and Shane always giving us the... <laughs> <laughs> you know, something like, you know, with all these shows around WrestleMania, I remember at 29, I saw, you know, probably a couple of shows that were better than that WrestleMania. And, I mean, WrestleMania has the atmosphere and the big setting and all that. But this year, I thought the... <laughs> the WWE put on a show themselves that was much better than WrestleMania and the NXT show that Friday. And I'm not like, you know, rah-rah NXT revolution guy, but, like, that was <laughs> infinitely better in every respect, it seems like. Yeah, I'm not a rah-rah NXT revolution guy, but, like, they can put on some great big shows. Like, I, you looked at the Joe Finn Balor match. That was, that's smoked, uh, you know, Lesnar uh, Dean in terms of, like, a setup and kind of how you present both guys. It was just like, oh, my God, you know? 
Because I have to say, I'm not a big rah-rah NXT guy, but the <laughs> show they put on was just like perfection. It's everything you could want out of this. Um, would you say the story of like 28 and 29 WrestleMania has ended up being the raw the night after? I would say going forward, the story of this one is going to be the show the night uh, two nights before. It's going to be like, oh yeah, that was the WrestleMania where the NXT show and the that Nakamura match happened. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably right. Nakamura, which they chanted lightly in the main event. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's going to be a new fun thing to complain about when they fuck him up when he comes up. <laughs> Can't wait, man. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm like, well, at least Sammy got to wrestle at WrestleMania. That's kind of, you know, he hit his ceiling, so there you go. Yeah, I mean, I still have hope that Sammy Zayn will get a couple of moments in his, his WWE career, um, but who the hell knows? Every time they have a big show like this, that crowd is going to be behind him no matter what. So mm-hmm. it's almost like they're trying to make him Daniel Bryan, and this is the part they do from, like, 2011 where they didn't do anything with Daniel Bryan. People are like, what are you doing? That's Daniel Bryan. He's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if you had to pick who could who could take Daniel Bryan's shoes as being, like, the guy everyone genuinely likes and also has really good matches, I mean, Sami Zayn's the obvious pick, right? Oh, yeah. And he, you know, he... Uh, Daniel Bryan carved that path already, so Sammy will have it a bit easier. Yeah, hopefully. It's so right. like Rollins is taking Bryan's spot as the best wrestler guy. Sammy is his incredibly likable babyface, and then Punk is passed on his legacy to Ambrose as like the guy who shouts rude things who the crowd likes, <laughs> and then Owens as a, a fatter version of that. <laughs> You're the new torchbearer. So, WrestleMania 32, <laughs> what do we give it? I hated it. I was, uh, I guess, the, I guess in the middle, because I, I, re- I like the ladder match. I like the women's match. Uh, you know, the AJ match was okay. Um, the, just the, the, the baffling decision, the bad main event. I was like, I'm not, I'm not like, oh, my God, it's horrible, but not, not great by any means. Yeah, I'm with you, Joe. I pretty much I, I enjoyed the first couple hours, even though I didn't like the booking. And then the last like couple hours were just trash. You know, like they were just um, from a toilet. From a toilet. They just they just like the matches were boring and the booking sucked. So, um, so yeah. So I, I feel like it was not as bad as Justin is saying, but not not good either. I'm not, I'll say, just to clarify, I'm not saying it was really, really bad. I'm just saying I hated it, and it was the worst one in a long time. Cause like, it, was the, it was the worst you had one in three years. Well, I would say, if you had, like, some tens, not out on a scale of ten, the string, and these are not in the exact order, but it's, just, like, in general, it's been, like, a 10, a 9, an 8, an 8, a 6 here and there, a 5 here and there, and this was about a 4, so that makes it the worst one in a long time. I guess I just well, I guess I guess just dislike 29 more than you. Well, you had more invested in it. You had to actually, like, travel there, pay for it, be yeah, there. that's fair. Like, if I were to, say, list them, Joe, <laughs> I would go um, 30 at the, at the best. Then 31, then 32, then 29, with 29 and 32 being pretty close. Maybe even like close to a tie. Yeah, I'd go uh, uh, 30, 31, probably 29, and then uh, and then this one. 
I think what hurts more about this one is, like, Stephanie was funny when she came out and did her promo, certainly, but it was just ridiculous that, like, the level of ego was there. I guess there's some ego to, like, just handing the show to Cena and Rock and letting them do whatever they want and getting John Cena this win people weren't sure he actually needed to have, but compared to the, the family doing these angles just for themselves, the Shane one at least had the correct reaction, but Stephanie and the promos they were doing about, like, you all hate us and you have this hope in this one man who can end this, and just, like, no one thinks that except the people performing these angles for themselves. And something about that is especially frustrating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I think we did well, congratulations it. congratulations to Joe versus <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we uh, another four years, another uh, another uh, four WrestleManias down and covered. We're all caught up. So in in the fifteenth anniversary, we'll have more happy things to talk about, um, like uh, um, when Ishi, when when, he, when Ishii finally beats the Undertaker in his <laughs> last match. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> Given all the, if you had told me uh, El Generico and Shinsuke Nakamura would be having a match <laughs> for the WWE, you know, like four years ago, I'd have been like insanity. So I, I don't rule anything out at this point. Pretty weird, right? It is strange times. There's more where that came from, which is why, like, I'm not going to quit the business or anything. I'm just going <laughs> to sigh more on these podcasts. <laughs> and having this conversation. I think it, it makes me appreciate 30 all the more that, like, that that actually happened. Because how did that actually happen? Yeah, it was, it's a big, that, that's a big thing. That's a big thing that that, that, that show happened. <laughs> I'm very happy yep. about it. I'm happy I got yeah. to talk about it again. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. All right, so, plugs, gentlemen. You have shows, which uh, I don't know your respective anniversaries. But. I appeared with Joe Gagney tomorrow and the day before today, I think. So look for me there. I don't think it'll be tomorrow, but I believe the day before. Okay. And I uh, have a show, Listen and Learn, that I do whenever I feel like, and so there's probably a couple of episodes of that that you could listen to. Please do. Including with me, if you haven't gotten enough this week. That's right. You did some good stuff. None of the... Uh, None of the matches at WrestleMania 32, I would say, would be added to the worst, rest, the ten worst WrestleMania matches in history. Do you no. fair to say? Yeah. Uh, yes, I agree. It would make my ten worst WrestleManias overall, though, but towards the bottom of the list. So the bottom meaning not yeah, as the, bad as some, the, okay. the ten nines area. All right. Yeah, I would see that. Yeah. I mean, you know, there are certainly some trash WrestleManias in this. In the toilet. What about chewing <laughs> gum? In the bathroom, and I'm like, the gum is out of flavor. There is a small basket in the bathroom, but it's tiny, and there's no garbage bag. It's just a grocery store plastic bag. Justin, there's nobody that argues that you could not physically choose to throw garbage into a toilet. I don't think anyone is saying that. It's just not not the thing you associate with a toilet. It is alliterative, and I really want to make sure that you know that I only put biodegradable things in the toilet. And not tampons. <laughs> that is good to know. I, I'm relieved. I know about math, but I feel better. Yeah. All right. We've, we've been talking for a long time. You know? But it was fun. It's a celebration. Uh, yeah, I appreciate what both of you have done for the show over uh, over the years. Justin, for all his help. Matt, 
for uh, going to ROH shows. Thanks. Seeing Daniel Bryan wrestle. Yeah, I, uh, I'm happy I did that too. All right, good stuff. So check out these two, uh, the fine, fine episodes for these two men. And uh, we'll be back very soon with more. So anyone have any final words? Uh, thank you very much, Joe, for having me on this. Uh, it's an honor to be part of your show and your history and your 10th anniversary. And uh, here's to um, 10 more and only 10 more. Oh, I quit when I'm uh, – I should quit while I'm probably behind at that point. Mm-hmm. All right, Justin? Just been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, I think of me and Matt as like your your daily show correspondence. And that's oh, we have our own shows, so – <laughs> to come back and do it all, what a, a distinct and a really rarefied honor for me. I like to think of myself as the wrestling version of Larry Wilmore. Mm. Yep. As Dave Just Meltzer would say, wrestling. blacks matter. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, good night, everyone. Goodbye. God bless.